The following audio is from the Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. There, hello. Hello. I mute it so that not everybody has to hear me constantly, but then I forgot to turn it back on. So nice to see you all today. If you are joining us online for church, so nice to be with you today. I miss you. I miss uh, commenting back and forth with you, but it's fun to be in the room in a new capacity too. If we have not met, I am Heather. I am Pastor Nick's wife. And um, as my husband likes to say, he does woo for me throughout the house too. It's awesome. As Nick likes to say, we have a zoo full of kids in our house. We have four children, and I can confirm that three of the four are actual people. Thankfully, I'll let you, yeah, that, that one lands a little bit uh, later. Um, <laughs> we have uh, Emerson, she is 19, and she lives down in California going to school, and she has informed me that she is no longer a Washingtonian. She is now a California girl, never coming back. This is what I told her. I said when she went to school, I'm like, I'm not afraid for you to leave. I'm afraid for the fact that you will never come back and you will have my grandchildren in California. (laughs) Um, Experiment number two of ours is 16. And uh, he sometimes uh, is around the building and he's so much fun. He is like the most positive person I know. And he's such a blessing in our home. Experiment number three is 14. And she is also so much fun. She is constantly writing songs on her guitar, on the piano, and it's beautiful. Experiment number four, you'll be happy to know we stopped experimenting, guys. There'll be no more. Um, He is 11 and uh, he is super, super quiet around other people, but he is the craziest kid, the craziest one that we have. Hudson, I'm sorry, it's true, you are crazy, and he actually wears it as a badge of honor because he's so funny. Um, but I, all of my kids are so different. This is why I call them experiments, because they all came with their own set of rules, unwritten, that every day changes, and so every day I'm trying to like catch up with what's the rules for Stella today? (laughs) What's the rule for uh, Jackson today? But anyway, it's a lot of fun. If we're gonna be best friends, there's something you need to know about me. I am a professional pizza eater, professional. Like we plan our own road trip routes around where we're gonna eat pizza. And I'm equal opportunity. I love Chicago, I love New York style, I don't care. The only pizza I've found that I will not eat that is disgusting is Chuck E. Cheese. Not gonna do it. I am a learner, I love to learn, and I spend my days, if I'm gonna be washing dishes or vacuuming, I'm gonna put in AirPods and I'm gonna listen to a book or I'm gonna listen to a podcast because I am constantly loving to learn about different things, all different subjects, different people. I love memoirs and biographies because I love to learn about people's lives. I love to read, that is one of my favorite things. I also love quotes and I love them because they are quick little pieces of wisdom that are usually pretty easy to remember. I post them on my walls. I love to read books of quotes. And so I think that's why probably Proverbs is my favorite book of the Bible. And I was catching up on the Let's Read the Bible Together podcast. If you don't know, Evan and Aaron uh, are going through the Bible reading plan with us. And so that is an easy, quick way to do a lot of learning because uh, it's, it's on the passages that you're reading in the plan. But I was catching up and listening on Friday, I think, and Evan referred to my favorite book of Proverbs as Hiccupy. Do you remember this, Aaron? 
a couple weeks ago, hiccupy, and he says it's because it like, you know, it stops and starts, stops and starts. It's not like a story that you read, but that's precisely why I love it, because it's all these little quotes. Some of my favorite quotes are famous last words, and this will take you on a long rabbit trail if you ever get on the internet and you read people's famous last words. I thought it would be fun to go over a couple today, but this one is from Nathan Hale, who is that brave revolutionary war hero, and he uh, was hanged not hung, but hanged. Isn't it weird that we say that? He was hanged by the British uh, for spying. And you probably can finish this one with me. But he said, I only regret that I have but one life to lose for my country. And the next one is a little bit inappropriate. So if you have sensitive ears, just cover them for a second. (laughs) But it's from a guy named uh, James French. Now it's important to remember that or you won't understand why the quote is notable. James French was a murderer, and he was convicted of uh, murdering several people, and so they put him to death by the electric chair. And so right before he was put to death, he said this, Hey, fellas, how about this headline for tomorrow's newspapers? French fries. (laughs) Blues singer Bessie Smith died saying this, I'm going, but I'm going in the name of the Lord. I love that one. Raphael, who is not the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, but rather the the Italian artist, died with one word, happy, which I think is so lovely. And in contrast to that, Leonardo da Vinci, who is also an Italian artist, died saying this, I have offended God and mankind because my work did not reach the quality it should have. Hello, what hope do the rest of us have? (laughs) He's a little bit hard on himself, wouldn't you say? Um, Winston Churchill's last words were, I'm bored with it all, which fits if you've read any biographies on him, I feel like. And then this has got to be one of my favorite of all time. Die, my dear? Why, that's the last thing I'll do. (laughs) That was Groucho Marx, which I think is Fantastic. I love to laugh. Well, today we're going to look at the last words of Jesus. And uh, Easter spoiler alert, these are not his dying last words because he doesn't stay dead. (laughs) So these are his his famous last words before he ascended to heaven. And that's what we're going to look at. They're in the book of Acts. And Acts was written by Luke, also the author of the book of Luke. And he wrote uh, Luke Acts as one one, uh, one version or one, uh, sorry, what's the word? One, two volumes of the same accounts of Jesus's life and the early church. And Luke was a Gentile. He was a doctor and he was a historian. He wanted to be really, really careful about his account. And even in the book of Luke, it opens up this way with him saying, having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write a careful account for you so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. So he's writing to one person, Theophilus, and 2,000 years later, we are all reading Luke Acts, um, this careful account that he wanted to write so that you can be certain that what you've heard is the truth. So let's read Acts 1.1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them convincing proofs that he was alive. Gave many convincing proofs. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. 
For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. And here are his last recorded words. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. Let's pray. Jesus, we are here. God, we have gathered together in the room, online, because we love you. Because we want to know more about you, how you work. God, and we know that there is a world who is hurting, who needs the hope that is in you. And so, Lord, would you teach us today what you are saying? Holy Spirit, I ask that you would take my words to a group of people and make them individual and personal to every person in the room and watching online now. God, that you would speak what you want them to walk out with today. In Jesus' name, amen. In Acts 1-3, we read, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And between the time that he rose from the dead and the time he ascended to heaven was 40 days and he had lots of different conversations with them. And one of these conversations is how Nick started our series out from Matthew 28. And it's come to be known as the Great Commission. So let's look at that. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus had a pretty lofty challenge for his disciples. Go, and not just go like out from your house, but go all around the world, teaching people about all the things I have commanded. That is all. A tiny bit intimidating. And I stand here today, 2,000 years later, and say this great commission that we still participate in today is a little bit intimidating to me. The command to go causes all kinds of feelings of like, ah, but what will I do when I go? <laughs> what will I say? And that fear of what if I say the wrong words? What if it causes people to be upset? What do I do with this command go? And I don't know about you, but most days I feel like I can barely keep my own head above water. I can barely keep my children alive, love my husband, have groceries in the house, gas in my car, all the things that I need to do. And so I kind of think, make disciples? When and how? <laughs> when and how am I going to do this? But this command go comes with some good news. And here's the good news. Let's see if you caught it. But at the end there, it says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's almost like Jesus knew that go make disciples would be a challenge to us. It's almost like he knew that that would cause a little bit of fear and intimidation inside that command to go. Um, so he promised us himself. Go, but go with me. And it makes me think of Moses back in the desert after he had run away from Egypt and God comes to him in the burning bush and says, go, go to Pharaoh. And remember, Pharaoh is the most powerful person arguably on the earth at the time. And he was not going to Pharaoh to just say like, huh, God loves you, Pharaoh. He was going to say, Pharaoh, let your entire slave workforce go. <laughs> 
that's not good news to deliver. And so Moses felt intimidated and a bit overwhelmed, and that was a lot. So remember how Moses responded? He said, uh, who am I to go? <laughs> who am I to, that you should, uh, go, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He felt unprepared, afraid, unsure. And so do you remember how God answered that? He said, I will be with you. I am. Tell them I am has sent you. In that I am is all the power and all the authority and all the wisdom. That was really good news for Moses before he went before Pharaoh. And it's still good news to us because we have the promise of Jesus, the I am with us. And he's the expert disciple maker. So if I'm a disciple commanded to make disciples, I'm not alone. If I have to build a house and I have a plot of land, there's no hookups, no plans, and somebody just says, go make a house. <laughs> I am dead in the water, guys. I don't even think I could produce a dog house. True story. I would not know what to do. But if you tell me that Gary Mays is coming with me, who's an expert builder, and he will come with the plans and he can just tell me what to do, then I'm good. My only job is just to do what I hear him say me, tell me to do. So if he says, go grab a box of nails and a hammer, I don't need to know step two or step three or step five or 79. All I have to do is go grab the box of nails and the hammer and wait for him to tell me what to do with it. And that is how it is with Jesus. We don't have to know step 29. I just need to do the next right thing of what he's asked me to do. That is great news. Um, I have uh, just a second. Sorry, I am new to this uh, newfangled thing called technology here. <laughs> I'm used to paper <laughs> that I can touch and see, so uh, my old eyes are looking at these tiny little words, and here we go. Okay, so, <laughs> so he says, I am with you always at the end of this great commission, right? But did you catch, it's bookended at the front with something too. It's front loaded with all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me and I'm with you. That's an expert builder with us. So if you've chosen to be a follower of Christ, you have the promise of the ever presence of the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth. The one who conquered death, hell, and the grave with you. The one who can command the seas with you in all that you do. That is really good news. He knows it all and we don't have to. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Um, okay, so let's go back to Acts now in verse four. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When we read the Great Commission in Matthew 28, it should always be connected to Acts 1.8. Go, but there's a promise here. Go with the promise of the power to do the work. The power to do the go. The wisdom to do the go. We can, it's easy to feel the weight of, go talk to that person without remembering, oh, but I'm not alone. Why is it so hard for us to remember that we are not alone? 
When we are uh, parenting our kids and we feel like, what do I do with experiment number two, Lord? (laughs) It's easy to forget. All authority has been given to Jesus. I'm not alone in this. I have the power of the Holy Spirit within me. I am not alone in this. I'm going to give you a little illustration here that has stuck with me for years. I heard it years ago from a pastor uh, from Minnesota, and he told a story about going to trade in his truck. And so the day had come where he had already signed the papers, and he was just signing, uh, giving it away. So he brought in his keys, turned them in, he left his truck there, and as they often do, the salesman walked him out to his new truck and was showing him some of the features that came with the truck, and uh, he showed him his remote control, and there was a button, and he pushed it, and the car automatically started. Some of you have this remote start on your cars, and the rest of us are jealous. <laughs> In Washington, if, when it rains, that is really, really awesome to have that. But let me give you a little bit of context in case you've not visited the Northeast or the Midwest. Uh, I used to live outside of Chicago, and let me just tell you people, cold. <laughs> it is so cold that no amount of layers or technology can prepare you for walking outside. You instantly will feel like you are naked in the wind because it goes through everything. It is freezing cold. It uh, freezes the nose hairs as you breathe in. It's so cold. And there is snow on the ground all the time, all winter long. Every day you have to shovel or snow blow or whatever because it is ridiculously cold. And so In Washington, remote start is pretty awesome. In Minnesota, remote start is like life changing to have your car warm up before you run out to it and to be able to defrost on its own is amazing. So as Pastor Rob was standing out there in the parking lot with his new remote, he has a revelation. As he looks at that button, he says, wait a second, can I see my old remote? He realized that he always had remote start in his car. (laughs) Never once used it the whole time he owned the truck because he didn't know what the button was for. And so many of us are just like that. We have received Jesus. We are living for Jesus, but we do not realize that there is a new button we can push that is called the power of the Holy Spirit that is a game changer. (laughs) Yes. It is getting cold out there. It is like a Minnesota winter in the world today. I don't know about you, but I've just survived my first pandemic and I don't like it. (laughs) When gas prices are going up and grocery prices are going up and there is rumor of World War III upon us, the days are getting colder and darker. And I don't know about you, but I want every gift every offering that comes with this life of living for Christ, I want to put it into action. I need all the wisdom and all the power that is available to me in this Minnesota winter we are living. God wants us to be disciples who make disciples. But he has promised us his presence and his power to do the work. We are not alone. But oftentimes we get weighed down with the worries of life, weighed down with all the, what what should I do? I feel inadequate. But here is some really good news. And this, I think, is one of the most astounding verses in the whole Bible, in my opinion. It comes from Romans 8, 11, and it says the same Holy Spirit 
that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. Are you kidding me? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Dead people usually stay dead. But the same spirit that raised him from the dead lives in you. Let that sink in for a second. Do you know it? Is it new news? And if you know it, you've read it, do you know it? Do your habits know it? Do your thoughts know it? Do your prayers know it? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead with you in all that you do, equipping you to do whatever comes, whatever you face, whatever conversations, whatever tomorrow brings, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. And I think if we could grasp that fact, if we could really, really let that sink in to who we are, how can that not change the way that we live? How can I not say, oh, more of that? I need more of that. I need your spirit. Let me empty everything out so that I can have more of your spirit. How can that not cause us to strive for Jesus? I just need more of your presence. You know, sometimes we think, um, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, my name's Heather, I, I'm a daughter, I have these jobs to do in my life. And so we can list out all these things and following Jesus is one of those things on the list. But that's not really the way we should be thinking about it. I follow Jesus and out of that, I mom. Out of that, I daughter. Out of that, I friend. I live from the point of I follow Jesus. I have the spirit of God in me and that informs what I say, how I live, what I do. That is good news. We are not alone. Following Jesus is who we are. And so when you, if you're a teacher and you walk into your classroom tomorrow, you walk in with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, living in you. And whether you're aware of it or not, and whether you ever say the name Jesus or not, whatever you do, whatever conversations you have, you are discipling people to know Jesus because he lives in you. And so what we are doing is we're coming alongside of what the Holy Spirit already wants to do. He already wants to give them hope and love and draw them to himself. And so when we live from the Holy Spirit inside of us, we're just coming alongside of his plans. So the words that I say are alongside the plans of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in their life. That's exciting. That's an adventure. I want to be on that adventure. I don't know about you. And starting right with this awareness is where we begin. Wherever you are on the spectrum of God's presence in your life, I would encourage you today, ask for more. How much is more? It's just more. If you're here, more is here. If you're here, more is here. More of the Holy Spirit because the, the days are dark. And there are people who need what we have. I know Jesus. I can, give, I can give people Jesus. I can give people love. I have him living inside of me. 
I have that hope. So I just want more. And I've been on a journey for the last couple of years of, Lord, increase your presence in my life. I want to practice your presence. A few years ago, I had a necklace engraved with the word listen on it because I wanted to be aware constantly. What are you saying, Jesus? Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do today? In this conversation, what do you want me to say? So more starts with an awareness of who we are, what we've been given, Jesus alongside of us, the power of the Holy Spirit within us. I am aware of that and I live out of that. So I wanna encourage every person in here, every one of us, everybody listening online, maybe there's a new habit to start. About 18 months ago, I downloaded an app. It's so simple. It's just a little practice that was a new habit for me because I was experiencing worry about this world we were living in and just feeling like fear come in. And so it was an app called The Pause and it literally just is one minute or three minutes. I mean, you can do multiple minutes, but one minute of sitting with this prayer. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. Every worry, everyone in my life that I am worried about, frustrated with, fill in the blank. I give it to you. There's all kinds of new habits, more. Whatever more is to you, that's what I want you to do. If you don't talk to him, start talking to him. He's with you anyway. It's kind of weird that you don't talk to him. <laughs> It can be so simple. Jesus, direct my life today. Direct my conversations. Oh, wow, that's a gorgeous sunset as you're driving. Did you paint it under the influence of the Holy Spirit, Jesus? Is that for me? Thank you for the beauty that is held within that sunset. God, that heals my spirit. Thank you. Just a conversation. Whatever comes to your mind. If you're washing dishes. God, I pray for all the people who eat off of my dishes in this home. Lord, I just pray that the things that we think would be glorifying to you. I pray that as we eat food, we would not forget to eat the spiritual food of who you are. It's so simple. Invite him. Have conversations with him. And uh, sometimes it's as simple as having a conversation with somebody else. And in your mind, you're, th you're saying, Holy Spirit, hold my tongue. <laughs> oh, there's so much I want to say and do right in this moment. Holy Spirit, hold my tongue. It's a constant, ongoing conversation. If you already talk to him, if that's already part of your day, perhaps you need to uh, cultivate some silence in the presence of God. Dallas Willard says this, worship is the most complete spiritual discipline, but silence is the most important. Silence creates space in order to listen. And if we have so much noise in our lives, Every single minute of the day, I've got music going or TV going or people talking. There's so much noise. How do I possibly think that the Holy Spirit is really going to speak to me? Yes, you can get, a, get a words on the fly and as you go, I believe in that absolutely. But I think we also need silence so he can just have our attention. I'm fir I firmly believe that some of us in here have a hard time sleeping because we do not have any space in our day. So that when we finally lay our head on the pillow, all the thoughts 
then come flooding in. All the things that we had forgotten all day long, all the worries of the day come to us because we've not had any silence with the Holy Spirit to say, oh, I'm dealing with this. What do you think about this? So at night, that's when we finally have space for those thoughts and we can't sleep. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you up with him. Again, more is more. Oh, let me be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Ephesians 5, 15 through 19 says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in the easy, these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Did you catch it? Being filled, which, by the way, is present tense, ongoing, always, constantly, more and more filled with the Holy Spirit is how we act thoughtfully and how we know what to do. Being full of the Spirit is how we make most, the most of every opportunity of these evil days. And he said, Paul says, don't be filled with wine. And perhaps for some of you is actual. Don't, don't be drunk. Stop numbing out. Stop being full of drink, of anything. But I would, I would implore each of us, every single one of us, are full of something that we shouldn't be filled with. We are filling our lives with things that the Holy Spirit wants that spot, that space. I would encourage every single one of you in here, everybody listening online, to take some time with the Holy Spirit today and say, what, what am I full of that takes the place of your Holy Spirit within me? Empty yourselves out because the days are evil. We're in a Minnesota winter. Uh, Proverbs 27.7 says, A person who is full refuses honey, but even bitter food tastes sweet to the hungry. Are you so full of noise, of television, of ambitions that, that are your own, of unforgiveness? What are you so full of that you can't even recognize the sweetness of the Holy Spirit? You refuse it. And I know talking about the Holy Spirit sometimes can be uncomfortable for, for certain people. You're okay with the Father. You're okay with Jesus. Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit represents wind, right? He moves where he wants to. And I'm convinced that some of us are uncomfortable with the Holy Spirit because we don't want to be out of control. We want control. We strive for it. Oh, nope. I do what I want to do. I keep everything buttoned up. And inviting the Holy Spirit's a little bit scary. But I would say, all he wants to do is join you in your life, to be a part of every moment, every conversation, empowering you to make disciples, empowering you to be a teacher, empowering you to have conversations with the people around you that will draw them to Christ. We make this hard. We, we think we need to have step two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine figured out. All we need to do is nuzzle up to the Holy Spirit and say, is there anybody I can be kind to today? The Holy Spirit has a hold of my heart, my words, 
even my money to be generous with other people who have needs. Everything flows out of the presence of God within me, everything in my life, because people need hope and love that comes from Christ. And we are commanded to be disciples who make disciples. It can be so simple. I read a story years ago from a woman who, on her way out the door, getting into the car, she got into the car and she had a weird thought, like, I should grab some socks. And if it was me, I probably would just dismiss it and say, why, I don't need socks. And just get in my car and go. But she recognized that's a really random thought. I'm gonna go ahead and go run in my house and grab socks. And so she did, she grabbed a pair of woolly socks, really thick socks. And when she got to work on the steps of her job was a woman who had collapsed. And she went over to the woman and said, oh, what can I do for you? She was like, my feet are freezing. I just wish I had a pair of fuzzy socks. Socks, people, as simple as that. How can I listen to what the Holy Spirit is doing to be ready to meet even a physical need of someone in the moment. Invite him into every moment of our lives. Go is intimidating. Go is scary. But go with God, with the presence of Jesus. All authority in heaven and earth belongs to him. He is with me. The Holy Spirit is the power within me. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead in me, empowering me, to minister to people, to bring them to Christ, to live out every step that I do. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we do invite you to fill us, that we want more of who you are. And God, for some, this is a brand new thought. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would answer those that you would bring them alongside of what you are doing in their lives. And for those who maybe say, yes, this is how I live, God, I pray that we would just turn up the volume just a little bit more, make more space for you in our lives so that you can fill us to overflowing so that we might give hope and love and joy to the people around us. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.